Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Come on, fist bump somebody, look at some. We're outside, wave a little bit. Come on, come on, listen. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Come on, look, look. Y'all wave over here. Come on, wave over here. Kenneth, we see you. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Man, it's going to be so good when we get inside. I promise we got heat. Uh, We might not need to turn it on for about three months, but (laughs) we have it. Man, uh, I, I w- thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. I hope that your soul, come on somebody, is replenished even if we are outside. Um, I'm going to jump right into just uh, just s- some thoughts. I do feel, I, I want to thank you guys for hanging with us. You know, I didn't get into pastoring to do projects. And so I'm excited about being able to... Uh, uh, be done with this project so we can get back to people, um, you know, and, and so I, I appreciate you. I know that there's been a few of you that, hey, yeah, can we meet? Can we do this? Can we do this? And I'm like, not yet. <laughs> and so uh, I do, I appreciate your patience. Um, we are Monday, uh, we do the fire inspection. Tuesday, we do the building inspection. So we should have occupancy on Tuesday because there is nothing else to do in the building. So come on. This has been a wild and crazy and exciting <laughs> uh, season. Uh, like Katie said, this project is almost completed. So we still have our sign. We have a, a, a sign that will go on that wood part. And then we have a huge cross that's going to go on that wood part. And then we have some things that we're going to do in the next couple months. So I just remember for those of you family that are like, hey, I'm committed to this project. We're doing that all the way to September. And so uh, it's been crazy. Uh, you know, it's like the move uh, has been like, well, we're moving. So I, I don't know where my wallet went. But anyway, uh, <laughs> y- y- y'all keep giving uh, because we got a lot to pay for. Come on, somebody. And um, But God has blessed us. Listen, uh, this is exceedingly and abundantly. I wish you could go back. Come on. How many of y'all remember what it looked like? It don't look like that no more. And we always said that this building was going to be a reflection of what God wanted to do physically in you spiritually. And we are hoping that as you are here and sitting under the word and connecting with the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life, that you don't look like you used to look either. That every year when you go around your old friends, every year when you are connecting with people who used to know you, they're like, what's different about you? What's going on? What well, You've changed. And you're like, well, I still weigh the same. And you're like, no, 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 no. You have changed. Something about you is different. You're not as, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know how to say, mean. You're not me. I don't know. Like you're, you're not, you're not, you're not. It's something about you is different. And that's what God does. Come on, listen. He comes in and he changes the atmosphere of our soul, he heals it. And then all of a sudden, come on, the, the outward begins to change, 
because of an inward work. See, religion does it the other way. Religion says, well, if you, if you don't have any of this and you don't have any of this and you don't have any uh, belly button rings and if you don't show your navel and if you don't have that, but, well, you, if you fix the outside, then well, obviously people can judge by the fact that something's going. But, but actually what God does is he says, I'm not really worried about the outside because I know I am so good that when I begin to start healing the inside, the outside will change. Come on, does that make sense? And so I just, I, I just want to, to, to pause and say that you are looking at the kindness of God. We are a six-year church, and I have a lot of pastor friends, and this is not competitive. It's just conversational. But I know people who have set, torn down and set up for 10 years. I know people who have waited a long time. And we are here within six years, and God has given us more than enough. Come on, somebody. Let's give him some praise. Everybody say next week. It don't matter if it rains next week. It doesn't matter if it's hot next week. Come on, somebody. It can snow next week because we're going to be in this building. 9-15, 11-15. You get your choice back. Come on, Americans. You get your choice back. 9-15 and 11-15. Come. Uh, it's going it's to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And um, uh, we're excited about that. If you haven't, if you, some people, this is the only church you've known. You, you, didn't, you weren't over there with us at Chestnut, and so you've come here, and you're like, is this what y'all do all the time? <laughs> No, <laughs> uh, but here in a set after this service, I'm going to be over there in the next steps cart. And if I haven't met you yet or we haven't connected, I, I want to. And so uh, if you don't mind, just stop by there for a second. Uh, I'm not going to sell you anything. I just want to kind of uh, meet you and know you. Um, let's pray and let's jump into it. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves. And even right now, as we feel the wind, Father, you begin to do something that 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 blows through our soul. That removes the hard and dry and crusty places. That, Lord, you begin to break up the ground and plant a seed that would produce life. And, Lord, we thank you for your word. That it's transformational. And, Father, we submit to it. We obey it. And, Father, we know that it will produce much fruit in our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Come on. Amen. Do you ever feel like hard work is not enough? Anybody ever feel like hard work, come on somebody, is not enough? There are things that it doesn't matter how much hard work you put into it, it's never done. It's never done. You feel like you're never finished. Come on, everybody say laundry. Listen, laundry. Laundry, it doesn't matter how much you do it. Come on, you may get super motivated. Come on, you may get the snuggy freshes in there. Your clothes may smell so good. But, like, people are wearing your work. And do anybody y'all have some children, come on, listen, in your house that don't understand how socks should be worn? Anybody got people in your house that wear socks like shoes? And I'm like, we got, there is, there is only holes in this sock. And you still trying to wash them? There ain't nothing left to wash. We're washing the calves only. Come on. So, listen, 
I'm like, are you for real? And so we, we got a new whole code at our house. Uh, if it's a little dirty, that means you can wear it two more times. Come on, somebody. Hey, listen, listen. If I don't smell it, wear it. <laughs> What, what about mowing? Come on. I mean, some of y'all like mowing. Mowing for some of y'all is therapeutic. It's like all I just care is about being on my tractor and I'm going to get out there. And, and I'm like, I'm not, that's not how I feel about mowing. Mowing is just one of those needless tasks that you have to do so that your neighbors don't hate you. <laughs> and so that your property value does not go down. Come on, somebody. Amen. 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 Like I'm like, God, you wrong for making grass. I'm sure you took dirt and made a human. You couldn't figure out how to wear, make something soft and shiny that we, we didn't have to work. Come on, some, like you hadn't thought that thought. With all the rain that we've had, it's like every five days the grass is grown again. Come on, gas is four dollars. I'm like, I ain't mowing that much. Y'all gonna welcome to the jungle, baby. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying. We on a once a month mow in my house. Pastor, you are too busy. No, no, no. Gas is too high. <laughs> what about paying your bills? <laughs> paying your bills. Do, do you ever feel like you pay a bill and then here comes another one? You're like, seriously, I just paid this. I just paid this. And, and like bills keep coming. And I feel like I'm always funding somebody else's dream. Y'all ever feel like that? You're like... Man, I hope you, your refrigerator's full because, come on, listen. Even your relationship with God, if you're not careful, it'll just feel like work. I just got one more thing to do. I got one more thing to do. I need you to know this, though. Your relationship with God is not about how hard you work. It's always about what you surrender. It's always about what you surrender. The Bible says as we decrease, come on, he will increase. Hard work isn't enough. For you to see the breakthroughs and changes that you are believing for. Of course, listen, hard work is important. You need to have a job. Come on, somebody, you need to have a J-O-B. Come on, uh, my, my, my kids, uh, my girls are starting to be in that uh, dating, uh, seeing boys, boys seeing them. And I always got like two, two things right off the bat. Do they love Jesus? Do they have a job? If they don't love Jesus and they don't have a job, don't talk to me about them. I don't want to hear about it. Don't you hear what I'm saying? If they don't have a J-O-B, <laughs> yeah, you don't know me. I don't know. I, mean, I, just, uh, like, I ain't teaching this child how to work, and I ain't supporting you in that in the third bedroom. Come on, somebody. You better get a job. <laughs> so, sorry. I know that, that was all flesh. I just needed to get that out. I just had the conversation with your child that you've been wanting to have. So thank me. Okay? Of course, Hard work is important. But listen, it's part of the process, but it's not the whole process. What breaks strongholds and moves mountains in our life is faith and dependence on God. From time to time, I need to let you know that we all drift. We all drift like a raft on a water it never stays in the same place. For years, we took uh, Be the One. On the, on, they, we do two local trips a summer. If your kids, come on, if your young people are signed up, let me hear some noise. Come on, come on. Listen. Yes, we're excited. And so 
for, for years, listen, we did these local trips, and we would take, on the last day, we'd have a little bit of fun, and we'd go on a canoe trip. Some of you are like, that's so sweet. The other part of you who are super logical, you're realizing that was the dumbest thing y'all could have ever done. Because here's the thing, is because everything was fine until they started to rest in the wrong places. Come on, hear what I'm saying. When you rest in a wrong place on a canoe, you know a limb is coming for your face. I don't know what to tell you. Because it's like being on the water, they think they're stationary even though they don't, they're not. And so when you stop putting the oar in the water, come on, the, the current is going to take you wherever the current wants to take you. And a lot of times it will take you into a problem. Devin, you know anything about this? Devin got a story to tell. It's his story to tell. But you need to ask him about when he lost his J's on a canoe. Listen. And so it is so funny because the kids, the young people on the canoe, they're laughing. You can hear they're fun. People are splashing people with paddles. The whole three miles, you're, you're hearing this, I'm going to get you back. That's all you hear the whole time. And then, and s except for when it all changes. And then just like that, terror. Cries for help. We're going down. <laughs> you know the, remember the old cartoon? Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> you know, like, like, we're about to hit danger, okay? And I think for all of us, you need to know that every time you take your hands off the oar of your spiritual life, you are going to drift into danger. And you're going to have to learn, listen, to cry out for help. To cry out for help. To cry out for help, listen, to your Father God. And to cry out for help with people. And if we're not careful, we will be a church based on attendance. But we won't be a body of Christ that really has some vulnerability. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. And we will go through every hard moment alone. I want to talk to you today for just a couple minutes about crying out. Crying out to the Lord. Not drifting into a problem that would, that would ultimately cause harm for you and the people in your boat. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says this. It'll be up here. Hopefully you can get your Bible app, get your Bible, whatever. Just listen. That's cool too. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. I'm going to make you work. I'm seeing some of you do your calisthenics. Reach, reach. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. I want to explain that to you in just a second. Let me give you one more verse. Psalm 61, verse 2 says, From the end of the earth I will call to you when my heart is faint. Everybody say faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher. Come on somebody. Than I. Here is what I need you to know. That today you may have forgotten the good news. And the good news is that God has a mediator for you. And that mediator, listen, is Jesus. A mediator is a go-between that can represent both parties. 
can represent the interest of both parties. Jesus was all God, come on, listen, and all man. All God means Christ brings divine justice and mercy. Man means that Christ brings the obedience needed in order for us to reconcile, listen, to God. I know this sounds like theology, but you got to know this. Jesus' sacrifice allows for forgiveness of sin. Without God forsaking his just judgment against sin. He is the go-between. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 7.25, interceding for you, praying for you, praying for you. Like, like It's not like you're at this event and he kind of gives you a head nod and he's kind of like dabs you up. What's up? What's up? Hey, I know you, but I don't really know your name. I don't really know anything about you. I don't really, like he is interceding, come on, for your spiritual life and he understands the schemes of the enemy and he understands who you are and he is praying and he's interceding on behalf of you your name's being called come on somebody in heaven you have a mediator this means you have an advocate Psalms 61 says this listen and I don't know who this is for but I believe it's for somebody today when your heart is faint I don't care what you project, you don't have good days every day. And on that day, when your heart is faint, David understood something about God that we need to learn. David said, when my heart is faint, I run to the rock that is higher, come on somebody, than I. Why would he say, I run to the rock? Because in their day, when the enemies would attack, they lived in a terrain where they could hide beneath a rock and it would be safe, where, where arrows could no longer hit them. Come on, does that make sense? And so they would hide in the, in the cleft of the rock that was stronger and it represented a place, listen, of security. And I need you to know, the rock of our salvation, come on somebody, is who? Say his name. Jesus. Jesus. What did David understand through the experiences and the trials of life that can help us today? 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4 through 6. I'm going to give you some time. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Come on. Verse 4 through 6. It says this. Now, let me give you a little backstory. David has been on the run. David is not where he is supposed to be. David is drifting. Everybody say drifting. Drifting is when you know where you should be and you look up and you know you're not where you need to be. Drifting. David was anointed to be king. David killed a giant. David had wonderful victories. Come on, listen. David had incredible moments where he knew, I beat the lion, I beat the bear, I beat Goliath. Come on, I, I have survived an onslaught of attack from King Saul. I know God's for me. 
And you may be sitting here today thinking, I know God's for me. And yet there are some problems and circumstances that I have allowed to cause me to drift. Hear what I'm saying? Two times already Saul has tried to kill David. And two times David has withheld his hand. The first was when he was in a cave using the bathroom. The second one was when he, he snuck into a camp and he took his spear and put it right by Saul's head. Both times I could have pinned you to the ground. Both times I could have taken your life. And both times Saul repents and comes back. But in this last time, Samuel, who anointed David, listen, because conditions are part of choices. Samuel, who anoints David and says you're going to be king, is dead. Saul is still after him. And he starts to run. And he believes, listen, that I can make the choices for my own life. And he forgets about the goodness and the protection of God. And he begins to take on, listen, his own self-interest. And now David is hanging out with the Philistines, fighting on their team, and in a situation where he's about to fight against Israel. How do you go from being a giant killer and removing the Philistines to joining their team. This is a sober awareness for everyone who has been at church. Today I'm not talking to the unsaved heathen that's never been in church. I'm talking to the saints of God that just like that you can change your jersey. You're one problem away, one misunderstanding away, one discouragement away. Come on somebody from changing your jersey. And if you don't think you can, then here's the deal. You're probably closer than you think. Because hurt will make you do things you never would have done. Look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4 through 6. David is in the wrong place. The Philistines are about to fight Israel. And the Philistine generals say, you can't fight with us. We don't trust you. So they all go back to the home. And on their way back, their camp has been attacked. And all of the women and children and all of their possessions have been taken. Everything is gone. This is the situation that David is coming back into. Verse 4. And David and the people who were with him raised their voice and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been hurt so deep that you have no more strength to weep? Everything that they've worked their whole life to build is gone. Their stuff, their family, their wives, their kids, it's all gone. David's two wives, who had been taken captive, 
This is Old Testament, by the way. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Some of y'all, that's where you woke up. Like, welcome to the service. Two wives. What? Tell me about that. No, no. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right. Ahinium of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David, look at this, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. Everybody say distressed. Everybody say tension. Everybody say distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in their soul. Come on. Don't ever accept sympathy from a bitter person. Bitter people want to end you. They don't want to help you. Listen, look at this. For each of the sons and daughters, for, for all the sons and daughters that were gone, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Come on, somebody. David strengthened, listen, himself in the Lord. I want to give you two truths that I believe will set up a conversation between you and God. In hopes that you would have a moment where you begin to cry out. And here is the first thing. Listen to this. Distress must be directed. Distress must be directed. When you feel the tension and you feel the distress, come on, listen, of a lack of respect, of you feel like your career's not going anywhere, you feel like you've been marginalized, you feel like something's going on, you feel like, come on, your kids are in trouble, you feel like you've been abandoned or lied to. When you feel that moment, listen, of distress, you've got to realize if I don't direct it, it's going to direct me. Come on, somebody. I need to direct where this goes. So much of our thinking is conditioned and controlled by our circumstances. There are times in life that adversity will come, listen, to steal your strength. Just think about the story about a couple days ago. David's the man. Bro, David's the leader. Bro, they're writing songs about David. Man, I'm on David's. I'm wearing David's jersey. Man, David's my boy. Who you run with? I run with David. Dang, how do I get in there? Like, David. David doesn't lose. David only gets dubs. And this one loss turns everybody. Listen, look at. From David, kill that dude. Kill that. Where are them stones at, man? You ready? You ready? You ready? Listen. Here's what I want you to know: If you don't direct your distress, it's going to cause you to make a decision that you don't want to make. Come on, you got to cry out when there's discouragement. You got to cry out when you've been distracted. You've been in you got to cry out when you're in a moment of distrust. I don't trust the church. I don't trust the pastor. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust I'm a great Christian, but I have no trust. Oh, you can't be a great Christian if you don't trust. Because the Bible says, how can you love me who you haven't seen if you can't love man who you have Come on. 
If it's good, say it's good. I'm ready to get in this building, y'all. I'm, I'm ready to get in this building. As we can see, David is in a moment of tension and distress because of his relationship with Saul, because Samuel dying, because things haven't worked out the way he thought they would work out. Now he is in a drift. And how you handle your distress will determine how long you choose to deal with the weight that it brings. Come on. Don't miss what I just said. Your ability to handle the weight comes in surrender, not in strength. Discouragement is no joke. Discouragement will cause you to make an impulsive decision that really isn't in your best interest. Come on. Because of discouragement, you actually go to work every day feeling like you're totally unqualified. Why would they have hired you? You think that you're the only worker in northwest Arkansas? You think you stumbled upon this job? But every day you go to work, I'm so unqualified, I'm so stressed. The job that you've been praying for for three years, you're wanting to quit because of distress? You better direct that. Come on, turn to someone and say, direct it. Because of discouragement, you're going to start going back to old friends. You left those friends because every time you were around them, they produced something in you, come on somebody, that you didn't want. Well, at least my old friends accept me. The reason they accept you is because they have no standard for your life. And there's absolute, they see no purpose in you. And all they want is for someone to hang out with them and not have any type of momentum. Well, it was just easier when, you know, it was just easier when I was hitting up the club. No, it was darker. And you were lonely. And that's why you were always there, because you had no friends. Come on. Don't get mad at me. Because of discouragement, I'm going to leave the church. That you've grown and your family has grown for the last two years, but because of a misunderstanding or a lack of communication, there is no depth. Are we going to handle this like the Bible? The Bible says when there's something that you have against someone, you go, you leave your offering. So do, do this really quick. You leave your offering and you go handle it and you go talk to the person and you, listen, you don't, the church can't thrive if everyone's passive aggressive. Like you're mad at the last five churches, but you haven't had one conversation? Whose fault is that? Spank yourself. <laughs> Just say, I don't know how to have a real conversation that is emotional, and I don't want to lose it, so instead of losing it, I just move to a new church. Just say that, because that's what's honest. I have a fear of rejection. I don't want you to not like me, and so instead of us having a real conversation, I just kind of drift from church to church, and it's so crazy, because about every four or five years, I feel the same thing, and it just, I don't know why this keeps happening to me. I just pick bad churches. No, you have an area you haven't healed in yet.
Because the same broken people are in every church. Is this too much truth? If I need to tone down, y'all let me know. I'm excited. I'm hot up in this coat. (laughs) Because of discouragement, I don't want to be married anymore. Because it's hard. Katie and I have been married for how long? 17 years? 18? How long? Not, I mean, that was a test. I knew. I knew. I just want to see if she was dialed in. It's gone so fast, baby. I just don't even know. Feel, feels like a day. Randell, don't look at me like that. You're thinking he should have never said that. There have been times when we've gotten a cycle, and here's the deal. We've needed some help. So we'd go to a minister's conference. We'd go to a pastor's conference. We'd go to a marriage conference. We'd even sit down and say, all right, hey, you, you're a professional at this. Uh, t- t- can you fix her? <laughs> and you know what they do? They begin to work on me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm paying. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. If you're not being intentional with what God's given you, you're drifting. And here's what I'm saying is, you're going to lose it. All because of discouragement. Because of discouragement, I'm listening to the enemy who is telling me I am unloved, I am unwanted, and I have nothing worthy of respect. See, If you feel that and hear that every day in your mind, you are going to drift. David's discouragement caused him to choose. Listen, listen to this. Dial in. A place that was beneath his purpose. He should have been in Israel, but he was hanging out in Philistine. With the Philistines. Where do you need to be, sir? Where do you need to be, ma'am? Listen to me, young person. Where do you need to be? Are you hanging out with Israel? Are you running with the Philistines? Where, listen, where do you need to be? Where do you need to be, Grandpa? Where do you need to be, Peepaw? Where do you need to be? Come on, me, me, mammy, whatever. Where do you need to be? Be there. Because you're trusting in something. And so you could actually have a lot of knowledge about God, but you're trusting in yourself. And that's what David, that's the danger that David was under. He believed if he ran away from Saul, he would save his life. And you got to cry out. Here's my last one. Okay? Humility yields better results than pride. You will never cry out if, come on, listen, you don't humble yourself. And so I am fully convinced that churches are full of people that are the most prideful in a city. Because the nature of man, mankind, is if I do a good thing, I'm good. 
But God wants to know, come on, He wants to talk about motive. He wants to talk about your heart. He wants to know if you'll humble yourself because then I'll exalt you. What if you're, listen, some of you are so frustrated that your dream hasn't happened yet. But if God promoted your dream right now with the pride, you'd leave your family. You wouldn't take everybody on the yacht. You'd take yourself. Come on, is, is this too real? I'm fully convinced that there's a lot of people in church that the reason they haven't gone fully toward the enemy scheme is because they don't have the financial means to do it. I would snort it all up my nose, but dear God, I, if I don't pay the water bill, my wife kick my butt. The only reason we hadn't had the affair yet is because we can't afford it. Hear me. If we are not careful, listen, we will drift. You hear what I'm saying? We'll drift. And I pray all the time. Here, if you want to know transparently, God, don't grow this church at all if my character cannot handle it. Only give me what I'm willing to give back to you. That's why I'm starting every sermon talking about praising God and not, look, look, Katie, get up here, take a bow, look what we've done. <laughs> oh, where's my fourth grade teacher now? What's up, girl? Talking about I'd be incarcerated. What you doing? <laughs> we all can get there. A man was <laughs> looking for a parking space. And having absolutely, listen, no luck. He drives around and begins to desperately pray, God, forgive me. Help me find a parking spot. I promise if I find this parking spot, I will go to church every Sunday. I'll stop drinking alcohol. I will, I, I, I'll give you my whole life. Just then, a spot opens right by the entrance. A car backs out. The there's a huge open spot right there by the entrance. And he looks at it. He looks up to heaven and he goes, never mind, God, I found one. <laughs> Just because we pray doesn't mean we really obey. The motive of our heart is more important than the practice of our spiritual habits. Come on, listen. The motive of our heart is more important than our practice of spiritual habits. Come on, listen. How many of us have prayed and God has moved and then we picked another option? Come on, help me. Listen, David wasn't where he was supposed to be. He picked another option. He was trying to do his own thing. He believed that he could make a better decision than God who had been protecting him his whole career. It is said that David was 16 months in the land of the Philistines. 
running. How long, sir, look at me, have you been running? How long, ma'am, there was something prophesied over you at a kid's camp 15 years ago, and because of fear, you have not walked into it yet. You're running. You've drifted. You thought, I need to go make money first, and I need to do this first, and I need to do this first. And whenever I have all of that, I'll come back to God and give him what I can. And God's like, bro, if you seek me first, I will add everything else to your life. I'm not saying don't be successful. Don't even talk to me about that. I am saying to you, it's easy to drift. Maybe you've seen God's faithfulness. But right now you're drifting. Every time God brings an opportunity for humility, you have a choice. You can harden your heart like Pharaoh or you can repent. Listen, when we put ourselves first, we focus on my will rather than his will. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He will exalt you. Here is what I'm trying to tell you. If you repent, it doesn't mean there isn't consequences, but it does mean at the proper time, God will exalt and restore everything that the enemy has tried to steal. Come on, somebody, from your life. I'm talking about humility. There's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Come on, everybody lean into this for just a couple seconds. I'm almost done. Transparency says, if they ask, I will tell them. Vulnerability says, I have something to tell you. Vulnerability is where we're getting to. Vulnerability is the process. Vulnerability is the goal where no shame and no thing can hurt my relationship with God, my wife, my family, my kids, my finances. My that's where I'm getting to is, is I want to be a place of vulnerability because I know God can. That's where I'm hoping our men can get to. That's what, come on, listen, gossip and, and yeah, yeahs and all of that. There are so many churches that will never start a women's ministry because it tears your church apart. I love what we are doing with the ladies in the house. Because with mom life, with all the ways that women get together. Because here's the deal. We talk about what God wants to do. We don't talk about you, your husband, your kid. We're not gossiping. Come on, listen. We're becoming vulnerable. People say, here's what I'm dealing with. And there's prayer. We've had a few people in the last six years that had to take seasons off of serving. Because they came and got vulnerable. And here's the deal. Look at me. We didn't kick them out of church. We believe that God wants you on the field. God wants you on the field. But there's also a bench. And the bench isn't because you don't get to play anymore. The bench is because we want you to heal. Because we don't want you to get tackled and get hurt. And then we'd get you back out there. And if you knew all the people that had to be benched over the last six years, you would be, what? Them? 
And the reason you don't know about it is because it's their story to tell, not ours. You hear what I'm saying? But we believe that drifting happens, healing needs to happen, and we're only healing enough to get back into the game. Because we need you. The kingdom of God, listen, needs you. The kingdom of God needs you, needs you. I hope you're hearing me. I don't have time to run in this verse. I went longer than I wanted, but I love the next verse. And I'm just going to paraphrase it for you. If you want to read it yourself, you can. But David, after he begins to strengthen himself with the Lord, he calls to the priest and he says, bring me the ephod. Ephrod. And, and basically it was a garment that the priest wore. And he hadn't been, listen, in that garment for a long time. And he brought, he wore it, and he came in. And what that symbolized is, I am going to start connecting with God. And he knew in order to do that, I've got to humble myself. I've got to repent. I've got to realize I'm not in the place I need to be. And when he said, bring me the Ephrod, that is when, listen, Everything changed. What would change for you? As we end this series, and tell, can, can the band come back up? Are we are we done? Did the band can the band come? I can play a song. I can play a song. You want me to play a song, Steve? Play a song. You you want me to play a song or you want me? Yeah, uh, you're coming. Okay, all right, coming. All right. If we were inside, none of that would have happened. Uh, it's totally organic. This is totally organic. As we end this series, welcoming the tension, I pray that you go back and look, read, listen to this again. I think you're, you're going to need it. I've needed it. Okay? But the main takeaway for this whole series is this. If you're going to write something down, get out your phone and write this down. Get out your phone and write this down. You cannot stop tension from happening in your life. You cannot stop tension from happening in your life. But you can make a decision on how you handle it. You are not powerless, sir. You are not powerless, ma'am. You cannot stop tension from happening in your life but you can make a decision on how you handle it. My hope is that you allow the tension that you're feeling right now to mature you rather than to destroy you. When life throws at us tension, trouble, or terror, it's emotional. It's heavy. It's hard. But never forget, we have a God who hears going. We have an advocate. We have a mediator. And I need to tell someone this because I don't know who this is for, but you need to listen because this may be for you. Even when you're in the wrong place, God can still be working. Even when you're in the wrong place, God can still, listen, be working. David probably didn't deserve the direction and, and moving into God's presence. But God, in His loving kindness and mercy, 
began to speak like they had been talking forever. Here's what I need you to do. Get up, go attack. You can win it back. And I think it was just a reminder. Listen, listen. If you keep drifting, you're going to lose everything. But if you'll go get it back, I will restore everything. Come on, somebody. That the enemy has stolen, go get it back. Go get it back. Go get back your dignity. Go get back your confidence. Go get it back. Go get it back. Go get it back. Wrong places can produce great change. Every time we disobey, we misalign ourselves from God's order, and there are always consequences. But aligning ourselves to God's word will produce, come on, order, and order will produce fruit, and fruit will produce maturity. Today, God is the answer. Today, God is the source. Today, God can ease the tension in your life. And I believe that someone today needs to cry out. Come on, you no longer have to drift. Will you allow Jesus to be the mediator for you? Will you repent from your sin? Come on, it was a long time for David. And he was in a really dark place. But he directed his distress and he humbled himself so that God could intervene in his life. Can I tell you one more thing? You can't measure faith by what you have. You measure faithful by what you've come through. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.